Hi everyone, I'm Heidi Rogers and this is Tell the Others. I wanted to create a place for meaningful conversation, life lessons, and parenting hacks. Sometimes I chat to interesting people, sometimes I answer questions about parenting or life stuff, and sometimes I just rant. These episodes are filled with stories and insights that made me say, ugh, I just have to tell the others. So let's dive in to hear what we can learn today. Why does my kid have anxiety when I don't really think they have anything, quote unquote, like that's worthy of being anxious? Um, you know, or it doesn't make sense to me why my child has anxiety. And I think the first thing I like to say to that question is anxiety doesn't make sense. Like that's kind of the whole nature of it. That's the whole point is it doesn't make sense. It's not logical. Um, I know that the likelihood of the tunnel collapsing, the bridge collapsing, the plane crashing is low, but that doesn't change it for my brain that when I'm in a tunnel on a bridge in a plane, that my brain feels anxious that, you know, we might die or whatever. So I guess that's where I kind of start is, well, yeah, if it's illogical and it doesn't make sense, you're doing it right. Like that's what anxiety looks like. Um, That's normal. So that's sort of the first thing I sort of try to reframe for people is, yeah, anxiety is illogical. Um, that's sort of how you know you're doing it right. So that's the first thing. Then the second thing that I always say to parents is um, they're not choosing it because who the hell would choose it? Anxiety sucks. It's not a nice feeling. It's not a nice place to live in your mind. Why would anyone pick it? Um, Because I hear that from people sometimes where they'll be like, well, they don't help themselves. They don't do anything that helps their situation. They should go out more or whatever. Um, You know, they they make it harder on themselves than it needs to be. And that's why they're like this or whatever. And I'm like, no, they don't. Nobody would pick this. Why would you pick this? Anxiety sucks. So that's the other reframe I try to share with parents is, Like no kid wants to be crying at drop off and begging you not to go. No kid wants to be crying about um, a school test or not eating for days because they're so nervous about a a test or an exam that they have coming up. Like nobody wants that. Why would you pick that? Nobody wants that. So then that sort of opens up the conversation. I think my aim in that is to, to allow more compassion to be there and empathy for parents to see that their kids just having a hard time. They're not trying to be difficult or dramatic or manipulative or, um, you know, attention seeking. That's probably the one that gets me the most fired up is when parents say, sorry, I'm nursing a cold, by the way, if I sound a little bit like a um, manly retired smoker or something, I feel like my voice sounds really husky. Um, Yeah, that I try to reframe for them is like, it is not attention seeking. Or when parents say like, and then she just put on the waterworks. I'm always like, oh, that's like nails on a chalkboard. Do we don't say that? Like, no, they had, so I'll go, you mean she had an intense emotional response or she was really dysregulated? Is that what you mean? Um, Because I just think it matters so much the way that we think about our kids in our head and the language we put on stuff because it comes out in our behavior and it comes out in the way that we interact with them. As I know, when I think in my head, you were being so manipulative. If I think that, or you're being so disrespectful, the next thing out of my mouth will be 
not helpful. So it's so important, I think, to be mindful of the thoughts and the language and the words that are running around our head, right? Because if I switch it to be, oh, she's really care seeking right now, that gives me a little bit more of compassion and empathy for her than if I go, she's so attention seeking right now. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah. But um, <clears throat> yeah, so with anxiety, I think that's my first sort of framework that I operate, like in my framework that I operate from is to reframe it, that it's not a choice and it's not attention seeking, it's care seeking, and that I have a need for safety that's not being met. And that safety is emotional, psychological, physical, academically, um, athletically, whatever. There's something that makes me feel unsafe or insecure. And my anxiety is my best attempt to manage, cope, adapt, survive. And so my brain is doing its job and is going to fixate on stuff that makes no sense to the outsider, but makes total sense to me in my brain that I'm, I'm trying to do to make me cope. And the, the dude that I always go back to is our little friend amygdala. And um, yeah, like I have, I'm in the, my clinic and this is um, on the couch, even though I don't work with kids anymore, he's on the couch with the grownups um, because we talk about him so much. And we talk about um, the amygdala and when you know a client might say something, I'll point to the amygdala and go, sounds like that was your amygdala talking there, that, that comment or that um, way that you saw that or whatever, that it was your amygdala, meaning the part of your brain, the part of you, the voice in your head that's fixated with certainty, comfort, and control. And so those are kind of the three words that I want you to hold in your mind when you think about anxiety for yourself and for your kids is what's happening right now, hitting one of those three, certainty, comfort, control, because those are Mr. Amygdala's three most important words. I want to always feel certain. I want to always feel comfortable and I want to always be in control because if I have those three things, if I have those three needs met, Hooray, I feel safe, yay, I can calm down. And your amygdala is like, oh, we can just, you know, cuddle up and skip away in the sunset holding hands. I just need those three things, you know, like small order, just those three things. But what do we know is the majority of life? Uncertainty, discomfort, and a lack of control. And so when you think about it through that lens, is there anything going on for my kid right now where they might feel uncertain? Well, yeah, because that's like a huge part of like everyday life. But just ask yourself if, so this, and this is sort of the questioning that I would say run through if um, you're, you're in that camp of why is my kid anxious or they have nothing, you know, quote unquote, nothing to be anxious about. I don't understand why they're anxious. Run through this sort of filter and that might help you. And so the, the question that I would start with is, um, is there anything that is uncertain in their life right now? At school, friendships, sports, academically, um, in our family home, is someone sick? Is someone stressed? Is someone, um, I don't know, I don't know. Uh, and then anything in the, the bigger world, is there anything 
uncertain happening. So like, say if you're a kid in, you know, the Ukraine or Russia right now, like that would make sense that you have a lot of uncertainty in your world, you know? Um, and then comfort or feeling uncomfortable or discomfort, whatever word works for you. Is there anything happening for my kid right now that they might feel a bit uncomfortable? So that could be stuff that's new, transitions, you know, things beginning, things ending, starting something new, being the new kid um, or being in your first month of basketball or, you know, whatever. Um, again, same thing with the bigger picture. So start at your sort of nucleus of at your home. Is there anything uncomfortable happening at home? We're renovating. Um, the house was broken into, uh, I don't know, like anything uncomfortable. We're having to share a bathroom right now. Normally the kids have their, own, I don't know, but anything that's uncomfortable. And then the last one being control. Is there anything in their life that they're not feeling a lot of control about? Are they feel, feeling out of control? Are they trying to be more in control with certain things? And then you can sort of, again, look at that and go, yeah, actually there are some things that they um, used to have control over and they don't know now. But I think a lot of times those three things I think are very inherent in childhood and very inherent in the experience of being a child. There's a lot of uncertainty because you don't know really when things are gonna happen. And even if you have a calendar on the wall, your concept of time is just different when you're a kid. Even if you're a teenager, I think it still is trippy to get your head around um, certainty of things. And also because if you're under 25 and your cortex isn't fully developed, then that means that there's a lot of stuff that you've not learned yet. Right. So for those of us as adults, we might have more certainty around certain things because we've lived longer and we know it's going to work out or that girl is a really crappy friend and you will see that in time. But we have that insight because we're older, you know. Um, so, yeah, certainty or uncertainty, I think, is an inherent part of childhood. I also think discomfort is an inherent part of childhood because lots of stuff is new and you fumble a lot as a kid and you make a lot of mistakes because you're new and you don't, you don't know how stuff works. Um, yeah. And then I think there's also a lot of discomfort in childhood because you are learning how you feel, why you feel, how to articulate, how you feel, how to communicate what you want and need. I mean, dude, there's a lot of adults who struggle with that, right? We all struggle with articulating what we want and need, right? So gosh, it's no wonder our kids feel uncomfortable a lot because they don't know how to do that and they're learning and it's hard. And then you add the control piece and we all know how much we all love control as parents and don't want our kids to have control and how much we prefer to have the control. So it makes total sense. So when parents say to me, I have no idea why they're anxious. I'm like, I know. Even before they open their mouth and tell me what's going on, I'm like, I can give you three reasons right now of why your kid's anxious for quote unquote, no reason because of those three things, the, the trifecta for anxiety, uncertainty, discomfort, and the lack of control. And that, that is just, that's a three, a three pack that is easy to satisfy and easy to tick those boxes. Um, if you are in a privileged, safe, socioeconomic state, it is very easy to hit those three anyway. And then if you add all the complexities and the, the lack of privilege that um, 
is out there, then it's even easier, right, to hit those three things. So that's where I say we start whenever parents are like, I don't know why they're anxious. Start there. And then it's getting curious about how do I teach my children? Well, no. How do I teach myself first how to navigate those three things? What do I do for myself when I feel uncertain? Uh, I drink, I smoke, I shop, I eat, I scroll mindlessly on my phone. I call a friend because I can't sit with any bit of uncertainty. I need to process it and talk about it with someone. Or, yeah, what do you, what do, you do when you feel uncertain? What do you do when you feel uncomfortable? When you have that discomfort that bubbles up, where does it go? What do you do with it? Do you externalize it? Do you yell at people? Do you get mad at other people? Do you internalize it? Do you hate yourself? Do you ignore it, avoid, numb? What do you do with it? And then when you don't feel like you're in control and life feels really out of control, what do you do with it? And so I sort of think when you look at it like that, then you kind of go, oh, yeah, this is a lot harder than I thought. And it's not just my kid is nothing to be anxious about. When you look at it that way, it's like, mm, yeah, what do I do with my uncertainty? What do I do with my discomfort? What do I do with my lack of control? And the usual answer is nothing or unhealthy things or dysfunctional things, you know, things that end up hurting me more than helping me. And so then I go, well, let's start with that. Why don't we start, you know, building your toolkit or building your practice, building your capacity to sit with uncertainty, tolerate discomfort and be flexible and understanding and compassionate with my need for control and surrendering to what is rather than what I want. And yeah. And then when parents start to get a handle on that is when they can then start teaching it to their kids or you can do it together. I've had a lot of parents who've done webinars or programs and stuff of mine or attended seminars and things that were like, I'm actually not coming for my kid. My kid doesn't have an issue with this. I do. And I wanted to learn the tips for myself. And um, I'm like, guys, that's so great. I think that's what we all should ideally do is learn stuff for ourselves and then teach it to our kids, you know? And so that's where I would start is to get you get comfortable with uncertainty. You get comfortable with discomfort and, and lack of control. And then as you go through that, what I think is, sorry, backtrack. What I think is actually helpful is if you, you do it with them. So if you're learning, saying to your kids, you know, I'm, I'm trying to unpack an anxiety for myself and I'm trying to learn more about it. And I'm realizing <clears throat> either with a book I'm reading or Heidi's program or, you know, a podcast I listen to, whatever, that, um, the way that my parents taught me about my anxiety or about my feelings or about my worries, whatever age appropriate term you want to use, um, they didn't really know either. And so what they taught me was just to go to my room or to eat something and that'll make you feel better. You know, I was never really given some tools. And so I'm learning that now. And um, then I would share it with them. You know, one of the things I learned is writing down when I feel uncertain, I journal or I write a list or 
and you can give them some of those practical, you know, CBT technique strategy things. But I think more than the techniques and the strategies, what helps our kids more and all of us more is learning how to just sit and tolerate the discomfort and breathe through it and learn how to be present in our bodies and in our experience rather than trying to hurriedly get out of the feeling. Because I think that's what I had this in session this morning with some people where we were talking about what were feelings like in your family? What were you trained in sort of by your parents about when you felt um, worried or overwhelmed or sad? And he was like, there was no training. We just never really talked about feelings. So I'm like, well, it makes sense then that you're, you know, almost four decades into life and it is hard for you to access your feelings and hard to know what to do with them because the way that you were raised was that we don't do feelings in this house. We do fine. And if you're fine and okay, that's all right. And that, that emotion is welcome here. But anything that deviates from that, we don't do in this family. And I think a lot of us were raised like that or certain emotions were acceptable, um, but most aren't, especially anger, sadness, like mm, take that out of here. Nobody wants to see that. So yeah, so my hope is that we, because I think anxiety is so constant and prevalent because when you look at those three things, right? Every day, every hour, there is a great opportunity to be anxious about something. Why did I just say that? Why did they just say that? What am I doing with my life? You know, um, gosh, I made a mistake there. What if this happens? What if rockets, you know, hit the earth? Like, there's just so many things to be anxious about when you look at those three things, right? Uncertainty, discomfort, lack of control. You could find something every minute of the day to be anxious about. And so I think to teach our kids sorry, to teach ourselves first about how to manage anxiety is such a great gift because gosh, you can just help your kids navigate so much more of life in a much more um, equipped way if you teach them how to get through anxiety and to tolerate it. And that's the thing, fix. If I could remove one word that often seems to go with anxiety, it would be the word fix. The number of times I hear people say, um, I just want to fix their anxiety. I want to fix my anxiety. I want to fix my feelings. I don't want to feel this way anymore. Why am I so anxious? I wish I wasn't. And this real fixation on changing it and fixing it. And I'm just like, yeah, it doesn't work like that. It's a management thing. That's not a fixed thing. It's a management thing. And making peace with that and accepting that that is actually what it looks like, I think is a lot um, easier when you shift into that mindset that this is actually something I'm going to learn how to manage. I'm going to manage my anxiety. I'm going to help my kid manage their anxiety rather than fix it. And even within the word manage, I don't like, because that feels still a bit doing strategies and techniques. And to me, what I find a better way to, to manage anxiety is being, just being with it and just accepting it and welcoming it rather than rejecting and abandoning it because it's so um, big and it's so constant. Um, 
it's in, it's in our everyday life anxiety. So how do we do that? I mean, that's what the three hour masterclass is about because it's such a meaty topic of how the how, right? So a lot of what I'm talking about now is the what and the why and stuff, but the, the how is deeper than me in a five minute chat right now. But I guess where I would say to start is that, that just that, what I just said is a lot to, to do to build your awareness into, oh, is this something I feel uncertain, uncomfortable or out of control about? Oh, just noticing that thought, just noticing that I'm feeling those things. Oh, my heart's beating fast. Oh, my breathing is shallow. Oh, I feel a bit sick in my tummy. Um, You know, like there's just all of these little ways that you can start there in building your awareness and just practice in, just building awareness that I'm feeling anxious right now, whatever. So yeah, that's what I would say um, is a good place to start and to explain a little bit of why um, anxiety is so common and so prevalent, even though we quote unquote don't need to be because we're not in a war zone or we don't have, you know, stuff like that happening. So yeah, and if you want to learn more the anxiety masterclass will be great for that. Um, but also a lot of you guys in the parenting program, you would know all of this because it's in the anxiety module, but the masterclass, I guess it's just, it, it's a summary of a lot of different things. So you might even find that watching that, if you've already done the anxiety module, you might even find that the masterclass helps consolidate a lot of the other learnings that you've taken from the program. If you're a parent or a professional who works with children and you want my help in improving things with the kiddos in your life, or if you're simply a human being feeling kind of stuck and maybe kind of overwhelmed, my online programs have lots of resources, transformative content, one-on-one coaching, group coaching, and a supportive community. If you want to learn more, just go to HeidiRogers.com. All right, friends, thank you as always for tuning in today. Our time is our most precious asset, so I truly appreciate you sharing your time with me. I'll see you right back here for the next episode of Tell the Others.